that's like the warmest Zoom welcome ever. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Hey, it is so great to uh, be among friends. Uh, it's, it's great to connect with you in this uh, virtual space. Um, man, I, I really appreciate um, all of you joining in tonight as far as from Sharjah. Man, that's, that's amazing. And so this is great. Uh, as as Ninath introduced, my name is uh, Sujit. And uh, I, I'm, a, I'm a friend of Zealous Community Pune. And uh, the last uh, 10, 15 minutes, I have moved from just being a friend to being a fan of uh, what God is doing in Pune through your community. So it is, it's, it's really, really a joy to hang with you all in this space. So earlier, I think, yeah, I think a few months ago, early, earlier this year, uh, I met uh, Ninad through some common friends and uh, we, we, we connected over Zoom and much like this, we connected over Zoom and, and uh, right at the start, you know, right at the start of the conversation, we, we really gelled well, you know, and uh, uh, I, I walked away from our conversation thinking that, man, here's a brother who loves Jesus and here's a brother who really loves the community that he gets to serve and lead. So I was like, man, when I grow up, I want to be like Nenad. That was my goal. No, I didn't say that. I'm just messing with you guys. <laughs> and so, uh, so yeah, so ever since I've been hearing, you know, about how Nenad has been bragging about this amazing community in Pune, I've been wanting to come and meet with you guys. And, and like he said, I actually got the opportunity last weekend to drive through Pune. I've never seen so many two-wheelers in the same space at the same time. You guys, hats off to how you guys drive there. So it is, uh, my family was, uh, uh, we were on our way back from a small vacation and go, and then we uh, drove through uh, some parts of Pune. So uh, I was really tempted to drop by and, you know, like surprise Nanad and his family. Then I thought maybe since he's invited me the next week to come and speak, I thought I'll hold off on that, you know, for another time. But uh, uh Really, I mean, I've been, I've been really hoping that we could do this in person. Uh, and someday, you know, I really hope that I can join you on a Sunday and maybe even have this conversation over a meal. And so for now, till then, you know, we will have to, it'll have, we'll have to settle for this virtual version of a hangout. So my wife, Cheryl, and I, along with our three kiddos, we have three kids, Elijah, Ezra, and Anaya. Uh, and uh, let me see if I can, uh, yeah, that is, that's them right there. That's my family. So uh, that's my best half, Cheryl. And then we have two boys and a little girl. So we, uh, we moved um, earlier this year, you know, um, as he said, in, in response to God's call in our life to love and serve the city of Mumbai, we moved here. And uh, like, like everybody else on this Zoom call, we have uh, survived 2020 so far. And uh, it's, been a, it's been a pretty pretty wild year for us as well. Um, I, so here's, here's, here's what I feel about it. I think that, you know, the novelty of the first few weeks of the lockdown and the, and the, and the many positive spins that we tried to give it initially started to fade out maybe about two months into the lockdown. Like initially when I heard about the lockdown and talked to people, people would tell me things like, oh man, I just can't wait for this lockdown. I'm going to catch up on so much sleep. You know, some of you are like, I'm going to go on this keto diet and I'm going to be come out on the other side like with this Jamal, you know, and uh, uh, and then you know about two to three months into the lockdown, those things started to slowly fade out, you know, and uh, 
and, and at least for the last several months, it has been a major life adjustment for all of us, you know, to say the least. On top of all of that, it seems like 2020 is a year when the world has been suddenly de-glamorized. You know, we, when we think, if you think about it, we all have had a, a courtside seat to the heightened reality of brokenness and suffering that has been happening all around us in the last few months. Many, many days, uh, especially in the summer, many days in the past, I think mid-year, mid many, many of those days, you and I, we woke up to like haunting images of the poor and the under-resourced communities around us, just struggling to stay alive, you know, in the largest immigrant crisis that we have seen in a while. And then you have the, the running commentary of COVID numbers every day on, on social media. And then you have the reports of, uh, you know, war and conflict in the borders and racial and religious tensions around the globe. And, and I think just a few months ago, there was this one week where all of this was going on in the backdrop. And then there was news report that there is a locust swarm. You remember that? There's a locust swarm that was moving through different parts of, you know, rural India. Like that week, I felt like I was acting in my own low budget horror movie. I mean, this is, it was just horrible. You know, like, I mean, I wanted to go and stand on my balcony and publicly apologize to 2019 and say, I'm so sorry for how much I underappreciated you. Would you please come back? We don't, we'll trade you for 2020, you know? Like no one, no one signed up for, you know, this kind of disruption and suffering, right? And so I think that, you know, for many people across, across the board, you know, myself included, this is a, this is a season that really heightened, you know, the, uh, the need, you know, for, a, or actually heightened our call for a desperate dependence upon God and a healthy dependence on each other as gospel community. Now, sadly, so to speak, many, many people, many people that I've talked to, many uh, church planters and, you know, um, pastors that I talked to, many people said that this is also a season where many who have not been tethered to each other in gospel community has found themselves slowly spinning off, slowly drifting away into isolation in the faces, in the face of a, of a mega crisis like this. So tonight, you know, as we're going to take some time to camp out, as Ninat mentioned earlier, we're going to take some time to camp out on the second core value of Stella's Spooning, the value of community. And I think that what you're doing is so helpful and so wise because it is good to pause in a season of disruption and uncertainty and to collectively remember what it means to be a gospel community. And, and, and I'll, I'll go even further and say, here's here is why it is so important. Here's why it is important enough to take an entire Sunday evening to unpack what the value of gospel community is. Because many people, many people, you know, uh, who even considers themselves to be followers of Jesus, somehow, somehow find it okay to not be plugged into community. And there are several reasons for this, right? Some, some, for some people, some people view community as one of the many optional things that is in their life, like hobbies and, and like a, a selection of a, of a place to live or school or, you know, you know, how you want to play, uh, spend your leisure time. It's seen as like an optional thing. And then we have some people who kind of view community as a commodity and they see themselves as the consumers of this commodity. Like we would say, you know, uh, back in my old church, we would say this is uh, called Burger King, Burger King Christianity. 
you know, like in the tagline of Burger King is have it your way. Like you can go, you can order something and you can get it, you know, the way you want it, you know? So, and then, then, then there, there are others. And, and I have a, I have, a, I resonate, you know, a lot and, and I have a lot of compassion for this group of people. Some people have had really painful experiences in the past with a religious community. And, and their experiences have kind of uh, caused this mental block in them to view community as a non-essential item in terms of their relationship with God. But friends, here's the deal. The Bible does not shy away from teaching us that community is essential to what it means to following Jesus. Community is actually central to what it means to following Jesus. It's not just like an optional flavor enhancer to our to our faith life. You and I are, think about it for a second, you and I are created in the image of a God who chooses to reveal himself in community. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit of God, one God in three persons. God reveals himself in the community of the Father, Son, and the Spirit. And we are made in the image of this God who reveals himself thus. So community is a vital and central part of what it means to be a Christ follower. So today I want to look at uh, the book of 1 Peter together, where we see the Apostle Peter, uh, he's, he's speaking to a, a small community of uh, Christ followers in the Asia Minor region, which is actually the modern day Turkey region. And, and these, are, these are people that, that love Jesus, but they had to flee their homelands and be scattered in, in foreign lands owing to persecution and other difficulties. Now, these were people whose lives, you know, much like our lives, you know, like in 2020, these were people who, whose lives were suddenly appended by all kinds of disruptions. They were, in their case, there was oppression and segregation and even some systemic marginalization that these guys, these people had to deal with. The kind of pressure that these folks started to feel around them and even within them started to weigh them down. And so the Apostle Peter, he writes this letter of encouragement, like as a Imagine like as, as, as a spiritual dad, he writes a letter of encouragement to his children. And in this letter, he takes time to remind this community who they are in Christ as a community. He takes time to remind them of their identity. So why does the Apostle uh, Peter uh, write this letter to this group of people? And how does this letter help this community to locate themselves to navigate the disruptive season that they find themselves in? And I think the more important question for you and me today is that how, what can we glean? What can we learn from the apostles' teaching that would help you and I to grow into a healthy gospel community in our own season of uncertainty? So with that, if you have your Bibles, grab them with me and uh, you can turn or swipe to, to the book of uh, 1 Peter chapter 2 as we read verses 4 through 9. And I'll read this. As you come to him, a living stone rejected by men, but in the sight of God, chosen and precious, you yourselves, like living stones, are being built up as spiritual house, as a spiritual house, to be a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. For it stands in scripture, behold, I'm laying in Zion a stone, a cornerstone, chosen and precious, and whoever believes in him will not be put to shame. So the honor is for you who believe, but for those who do not believe, the stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone and a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense. 
They stumble because they disobey the word as they were destined to do. But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Would you join with me in prayer? Father, we look to you. We pray that you would eliminate the word of God in our hearts. We pray, Spirit of God, that you would write it in the tablets of our heart. We pray, God, that you will fire up our imagination with the word of God. We pray that you would give us a, a real desire to be to, co to commit ourselves into your hands, to be molded into a gospel community that honors you. We love you. We trust in you. Teach our hearts to love you more. In Christ's name we pray. So from the passage that we just read, um, I think there are four encouraging gospel reminders that our brother Peter is giving this community, this gospel community in Asia Minor. Four reminders of uh, their gospel identity. And I think that I believe that this would be helpful even for us tonight to hear as we, as we think, as we learn, as we uh, you know, ponder upon what it means to be a healthy gospel community. Peter reminds the church that uh, through this passage that you and I, we are a people redeemed by Jesus. We are a people built on Jesus. We are a people changed by Jesus. And finally, we are a people sent out by Jesus. So Peter, in essence, is telling us that a gospel community is a people redeemed by Jesus, built on Jesus, changed by Jesus, and sent out by Jesus. What do I mean by this? Let's dive straight into the text. People redeemed by Jesus. Now, it's not immediately uh, visible or apparent to us at first, but in the passage that we just read, Peter is actually referencing to a very uh, popular, very familiar Old Testament story. Maybe some of you might have caught on that. This is the story of uh, the book of Exodus. In this story, you know, most of you know the story. Uh, for those of you who may not know the story, this is a story where God's people, they're enslaved in, in Egypt for about 400 years. And they're being brutally oppressed by this evil king Pharaoh. And then God sees the slavery and oppression of his people and he has mercy on them. And he sends Moses, this redeemer, to, to redeem his people out of slavery and bring them safely through the Red Sea. And they come through the Red Sea, you know, it's a major miracle. And they come to this mountain called Mount Sinai. And, and then in, in, the, in the foot of the Mount Sinai, God starts to speak to them this way. And you can see this in Exodus chapter 19. He says, Now therefore, if you will indeed obey my voice and keep my covenant, you shall be my treasured possession among all peoples of the earth. For all the earth is mine, and you shall be to me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. You see, what Peter is reminding the church in this passage is that you know, you and I were not really that different from the people of Israel. Now, now I get it that we may not have been physical slaves under the harsh oppression of like an evil king, but we were we were in many way in many many ways and in, in 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 many senses, you know, like we were spiritual slaves under the harsh oppression of Satan, sin, and death. Now, before Jesus rescued you and I. Much like the Israels, you know, we were Israelites, we were all stuck in all kinds of sinful brokenness. In my own story, if I was to recall, recall my own story, there was a shame of addiction and there was sexual brokenness and a host of other sinful things. 
For some of you, it might take a completely different form. For some of you, it might have taken the form of maybe looking to religious morality to tell you that you're okay. Hey, so sorry, I don't know what happened. You know, it just got disconnected. Welcome to church in virtual space. <laughs> so, so ask, you know, like, I mean, we can jump right back and pretend like that did not happen. You know, so the, uh, uh, so what I was saying was in, in, if you, if you look at what Peter is trying to tell us through this passage, Peter's reminding us that although we all were enslaved to all kinds of misdirected desires, none of it ever delivered the kind of joy and pleasure that it constantly promised us. But for, but, but for some reason, we just could not break free. Instead, we were mastered by it, right? We were owned and enslaved and controlled by it. So what Peter is telling us is that God looked down on our helpless condition. He's reminding us that once upon a time before we know, knew, knew the knowledge of salvation, God looked down upon our helpless condition as slaves. And his heart was filled with mercy. His heart was filled with grace. And instead of sending Moses, he sends Jesus, the greater, better Moses, who comes and redeems us. And he redeems his people and brings them out of darkness into his marvelous light and out of slavery into his glorious freedom. Now, at least a few of, I hope at least a few of you at this point might be wondering, so this is all like basic stuff. We've heard this, you know, n number of times. Why are you reminding us of this tonight? Friends, this is so important for us to collectively rehearse together. Because here is the reality. In seasons of disruption, in seasons of suffering, when all the, all the mild markers of stability in our lives are somehow disrupted, there is this real sense of anxiety and disorientation that starts to grip our heart. And most people are, in a time like this, we are trying to desperately hold on to some kind of a stable anchor that will keep us from just being carried away by the flood of fear and anxiety in a season like this year. And Peter is reminding you and I that if you belong to Jesus, you do have such an anchor. You do have such an anchor in the stable and redeeming love of Christ. However, he also, Peter also knows that this is a season where we can easily lose sight of this. So not only are we called to remember the love of Christ together, but we desperately need each other in community to remind each other of God's love in the midst of a time of uncertainty like this. Let me try to further unpack that a little bit more. Consider the season that we are in for the last 10 months. And consider the, the, consider the season of lockdown. We're slowly in most places there is like, you know, the, the latest version of unlock and we're slowly moving out of it. But hey, is it my connection? You guys are all good, right? Okay, so it definitely is my connection then. I'm sorry, man, I have no idea what's going on. Am, am I audible now? Okay. Lord, help us, help us to be together in this space. Internet is acting up, help us, Lord. All right, so, you know, what I'm saying is uh, uh, Peter is reminding us, you know, that in a time like this, there's all kinds of disruption that happens. And so in our own, the example that I was giving before I got kicked out, you know, was that the, uh, the daily, I mean, the weekly uh, rhythms that you and I were so used to, 
rhythms of gathering together on a Sunday, singing together on a Sunday, rhythms of maybe breaking bread together in each other's home. All of these rhythms, you know, all of these rhythms on a weekly uh, basis reminded our hearts of God's love. Like think, of, think about it, between Sundays, you know, like we are bombarded with all kinds of things that is, that is like dr- taking us away from the love of God, from, the, from a reminder of God's love. Like you open newspaper, there is all kinds of things that, that you know, like I mean, nobody needs to, uh, reads newspaper now. I meant, you know, you open your favorite internet news portal, you know, that, you know, we, we, we are bombarded with all kinds of anxieties. We are bombarded with all kinds of, all kinds of things that is, that is vying for our attention. And then, you know, from Sunday to Sunday, you know, and between the week, we had this stable anchor of a place where we would gather with other people and remember together the love of Christ. And when we sing, think about singing together. When we sing together, what are we doing? We are reminding each other of God's love. So our hearts had this constant reminders and all of that was disrupted, you know, this year. Now, I know that this is this is 2020 and the church leaders and the, the team that works together to make this magic happen, they're working hard, you know, to, to put this together. And I, and I just want to pause and acknowledge if you are a part of making this, this space happen, God sees you. I hope you are encouraged that God sees your service. God bless you. We're so grateful for you. You know, this is such a, this is such a blessing. Like there are so many people that don't have the benefit of what we have in this moment, in this space now. And so without taking anything away from, from the efforts, you know, that put this, this kind of spaces together, I just want to, is it okay if we are honest with ourselves and say that at least some of us can attest to this real temptation in spite of all this to disconnect and isolate and withdraw in a season like this. This is what the Apostle Peter is calling out. The Apostle is telling us that without a rhythm of healthy reminders of the love and rescue of God, you and I can easily drift into a kind of apathy to the message of the gospel this season. I'm not saying that we are at the risk or danger of completely rejecting the message of the gospel, but but there's an equally dangerous thing, which is to get be over familiar with the message of the gospel. Be over familiar with the message of the gospel to the point that it stops to move our heart. Think about it. Think about think about this pause and think about it. When was the last time that your heart was moved to tears in the hearing of the gospel? Friends, we desperately need real reminders of God's love. This is just more profoundly felt in a season of disruption. So as a gospel community, this calls us to intentionally move towards each other in community this season. We desperately need the witness and the stories and the encouragement of each other to go get through a season like this. We need to not just remember, but we need to help each other in community to, rem- to remember the rescuing love of Jesus. Now, if I was to peel back the curtain of my own heart, you know, this has been a hard season for us. You know, we moved and, you know, I've, I've had, I've had a, you know, like a lot of things happen to me, but I've never been locked away. So, you know, this is the first time that my family and I together experienced, you know, almost seven months of being locked, locked in your home. You know, I mean, that was horrible. You know, so there is, you know, in, in, in my own heart, 
I have found in the last several months, you know, God's grace has flowed into my own heart just, just through the encouraging text message of a friend or maybe through a, through a verse that somebody sent or through a prayer that somebody sent. Or there's been, I, I have myself reached out to so many brothers, you know, in the midst of dark nights of the soul when I found myself really struggling to believe the things that I know in my head, to believe it in my heart. So we need, you and I, we need each other in a season like this to, to remember together that we are a people redeemed by Jesus. Now, when Jesus redeems or rescues us, he doesn't save us the way Batman saves people. I don't know if we have any Batman fans in the Zoom room. There's the eternal question of whether Superman or Batman, but we'll answer that another day. Uh, but I just want to point out that Jesus does not rescue us, you know, how Batman saves people. If, you, if you've seen the Batman movie or read the comics, you know that Batman will save people from dangerous situations, from burning building or whatever. And then people would turn, turn back, turn around to thank him, and then he's gone. He's not there. Like there would be a little bad emblem, you know? So that's it. That's not how Jesus rescues us, thankfully. Jesus not only rescues us from sin, Satan, and death, but Jesus rescues us into a community, into a family. He places us in the community of his people. This brings us to our, our second reminder from this passage. Peter tells us that we are a people built on Jesus. Look at the next couple of verses. As you come to him, a living stone rejected by men, but in the sight of God, chosen and precious, you yourself, like living stones, are being built up as a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Christ. For it stands in scripture, behold, I'm laying in Zion a stone, a cornerstone, chosen and precious, and whoever believes in him will not be put to shame. Friends, Peter is giving us this analogy, an example of a building. And he's communicating something really important to the church. He's, he's telling the community of God's people by, you know, that the importance of community by using the image of a cornerstone. Now, unless you are into construction or an architect you know, in this room, we don't usually think about cornerstones. But in Peter's context, it was the most important stone that any stable structure was built on. You see, all the other stones had to be connected to this cornerstone. The cornerstone was like the load-bearing stone that kept the building together. So if there was no cornerstone, there was actually no building. So Peter, Peter is telling us, giving us this analogy, and through this analogy, he's telling us that there are, there are only two types of people in this world. There are, there are those whose lives are built on Jesus, the cornerstone, and then there are those whose lives are built on everything else. You see, everyone, every one of us builds our life on something. Now, he, now this is this is this is really this is really important to remember tonight because in a season of disruption and uncertainty, your true foundation will definitely be exposed. Let me try to say that another way. A season of disruption and uncertainty will definitely test and expose the foundation on which our lives are truly built on. You know, a simple way to test our foundation, test our true foundation is to consider, you know, what are we most anxious about losing this season? 
Think about, think about the season and what are we most anxious about losing the season? And that is, if you, if you can answer that question, you have found the functional foundation of your life. And for some of us, it might be our career, thinking about the future of our career. For some of us, it might be thinking about how our investments are going to fare in the season. For some of us, it might be, man, it might be just even, put, even holding it all together in the eyes of others, whatever it is. None of those things are necessarily bad things, but this is, this is an invitation from the Holy Spirit to come and build our lives on the true cornerstone, true foundation, that is Jesus. Jesus doesn't expose these things to shame us. He exposed these things and shows these things to us so that we can be, we can be covered in his grace to come back and stand and, and, and build upon the true cornerstone that is Jesus himself. Now, in, in addition to that, you know, this passage also reminds us that through Jesus, the cornerstone, we are not only just connected to Jesus, we are inseparably connected to each other. Look at verse 5. You yourselves, like living stones, are being built up as a spiritual house. So this is, this is really important to consider in the context of gospel community. Because we often forget, we often easily forget this. Friends, you and I, we are all swimming against, you know, two strong currents in culture. There's a current of consumerism and there's a current of individualism. And those are two, two strong currents that we are swimming against. And there's a, a real temptation, as I had mentioned earlier, there's a real temptation to treat church as just a place where religious services are, and, and goods are exchanged. You know, the, the leaders will curate content and we would go and consume this at our own choosing. That kind of Christianity is a strange thing to scripture. Scripture does not, that's not known to, you know, historical, orthodox, biblical Christianity. The Bible teaches us that Christian life was never meant to be just an individual thing. That, you know, we, we are, we are, we are built on Jesus, the cornerstone, but we are built into each other as living stones. So we are not only on the cornerstone, but we are, we are being built into each other as living stones. So our, think, of, think, of, think of it throughout the history of the world. The kind of interdependence that the church has walked in has been a prophetic witness to a watching world. This is what makes us a strange people. The way that we care for each other. The way, that, the way that we depend on each other, the way that we got each other's back. You know, this, is, this has been over, over generations, this has been a prophetic witness of the kingdom to come. God has used that. And in addition to that, there's also that, you know, I mean, there's also the fact that it doesn't matter how gifted we are. It doesn't matter how, what kind of anointing that we have. There are no Lone Ranger Christians. There are just no Lone Ranger Christians. We, I mean, you, you can't, you cannot fully experience the love of Christ unless you are willing to experience it in the community of his people. So this is a big difference between Eastern religions and Christianity. I think about Eastern religions, the more spiritual you are, the more gifted you are, you kind of isolate, you kind of pull back, right? You kind of isolate, you, you go into a life of hermitude. But in Christianity, the more spiritual you are, the more known you are in community. The more mature you are, the more you give yourself into community. The more deeper you, 
realize God's love for your life, the more deeper you realize the identity that you have as a son, a daughter of God in the family through Christ, you, you, you are not given to the opinion of other people. Like you're not enslaved by the opinion of other people. That starts to open up, you know, that starts to open up a real community. Like I can allow Ninat to not just come as close, you know, to where he can see the good parts of my life, but I can actually allow him to come closer as a brother because Christ has already set me free. Christ has already declared, the cross of Christ has already declared that Sujit is the worst kind of sinner ever. And at the same time, the cross of Christ declares powerfully that Sujit is loved. And he belongs to the family of God. And that's the same. You can put your name where I mentioned my name. This is, this is the basis of Christian community. This is why we can actually be true. We don't have to put, a, put the best version of ourselves forward. We can actually let people see the messy parts of our lives. Why? Because we've been declared righteous. We've been declared forgiven. We've been declared loved. And we can even have, you know, ha have good, hard conversations with each other. Is that too much? <laughs> this is, you know, the, 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 the reality is that, is that between, between each person in the family of God, in the community of God's people, stands Jesus. So I'll use, I'll use my friendship with Ninad as an example. You know, between Ninad and I stands Jesus. And so if there is there's a disagreement between us, if there is conflict between us, if there is friction between us, and there will be. When people, when, when broken people come together in community, it is messy. You know, and when, when that happens, the beautiful thing is that we can remember that between us stands Jesus. We don't get to go around him. We don't get to take our, take our ball and go home. You know, we, we can't leave the playing field. You know, God, Jesus holds us together. He tethers us together. And so we can, we have to, in humility, remember the abundant grace that Jesus offers us. And then we get to offer it to each other. This is what true gospel community is. This is what it means to be built into each other as living stones. Now, in addition to this, we'll quickly move on. The passage also reminds us that you and I are a people changed by Jesus. Peter calls us the chosen race, the royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession. Peter now reminds us that we are a people changed by Jesus. The assurance that we have collectively as the gospel community of God's people is that God has started a work in us and he's not slowed down. He's not like put push pause in this pandemic. He will finish that work no matter what circumstances change around us. And so he's given us a new identity into which we are growing. And real quick, here are four ways in which the passage talks about this. He, the passage calls us a chosen race, meaning a mixed group of people. So the original people listening to this, they're a group of Jews and Gentiles, so Jews and non-Jews. Now, Jews and Gentiles did not traditionally get along. They would not even be under the same roof. And so Peter is reminding the, the church that we are a people chosen by God. We are a people marked by God's grace and love. Our ethnicity and our tradition and our culture is not our primary identity any longer. We actually get to enjoy those things even more because we have a primary identity as sons and daughters brought together by the finished work of Jesus Christ, marked by the grace and love of Christ. 
even in this Zoom room right now, if we were to go around and, and talk to each person, there's a diversity of stories. There's a diversity of experience. Maybe there's a diversity of languages and culture that is, that is represented here. Yet there is a deeper unity as people marked by the grace of God. We're a chosen race. And then he calls us a royal priesthood. In the Old Testament, you know, the priesthood or priests, you know, they, that pointed to two things. Pointed to access before God and service before men. Those were two things. Priests were marked by access to God and service, you know, before people. Priests had this. Priests were the ones who went and offered the sacrifices to God. Now, C.S. Lewis, you know, uh, the English writer, he puts it really well. And I'm just going to paraphrase. He talks about the, the kind of courage that it takes to wake up a powerful king at two o'clock in the morning. Like what kind of person could actually go and wake up a powerful sleeping king at two o'clock in the morning and ask for a glass of water? Only the king's son or the king's daughter. I have a three-year-old daughter and I have two preteen sons. My preteen sons, they sleep like a log, you know, in the night. You know, I can actually move them from one room to the other. They wouldn't even know. My daughter and sometimes will wake up and she'll ask me for her sippy cup for a glass of water. Although I'm a, I'm a, I'm a strong sleeper, and I don't like to be disturbed in my sleep. I've never felt irate that my daughter woke me up for a glass of water. Friends, you and I, through Christ, have that kind of access before God. This is what it means to be a gospel community. People have, that have that kind of access before God through Christ. And in addition to that, we are also, just like priests have access, you know, the, uh, royal, we are called a royal priesthood because we are also called to serve. We're not called to be the best kept secrets in Pune or Mumbai or, you know, whatever part we are in. We are called to serve the community that God has called us to. And then he goes on to call us a holy nation, meaning that we are set apart by God for God. You see, the church belongs to God in a way that others don't. It might be, it might be offensive to some of the modern sensibilities because we don't like to exclude anyone. But the reality is that the Bible does not shy away from teaching us that Jesus has a unique relationship with his church. We are called to walk and reflect the holiness of God. Now, for some of us, when we hear those words, holiness, we have a lot of religious trauma, religious baggage. You know, our idea of holiness might be people excluding people. But that's not, if you look at the ministry of Jesus, Jesus' holiness, it always, it always drew sinners and tax collectors and prostitutes to himself, and it transformed them. You see, there was a difference in the way that the religious leaders of his time viewed holiness. The religious leaders, their understanding of holiness actually separated people and kept people at a distance. But Jesus' holiness changed people, transformed people. This is what it means to be a gospel community. A community in which God's spirit is at work, that people are drawn and transformed by the work of the spirit of God. Now, moving on, we are called a people of God's our own possession, meaning we don't belong to ourselves. We've been purchased by the blood of Jesus Christ. I want to pause here and ask a question. Has this been your experience of community this season? How is God calling you and I to live this new identity out in this season? What would it look like for us to move towards each other? If all of this was true, and it is true, what would it look like for us to move towards each other in encouragement, support, love, and commitment? Finally, in addition to being a people redeemed by Jesus, built on Jesus, changed by Jesus, 
The last point is that we are also a, a community of people sent out by Jesus. Look at the second part of verse 9. But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Friends, the reason why God has given us this new identity and why he has worked out such a dramatic change in us is so that we may proclaim his excellencies to a world lost in darkness. What, is that, what does it mean to proclaim his excellencies? We, real quick, it, we proclaim God's excellencies through worship. We do this, you know, in between Sundays as we, as we are committed to gather together in small groups in this space till we have permission to come together physically. You know, we proclaim his excellencies when we do that. We proclaim his excellencies when we practice hospitality. There are 59 times in the New Testament that there is a mention of the one another's in the Bible. Serve one another, love one another, pray for one another, give generously to one another, you know, pray, confess to one another, confess your sins to one another. There's 59 times in the New Testament. And the thing about one another's is that you can't do it alone. You have to at least have another person to do that. So this is when we do that, we proclaim his excellencies through worship. Then we proclaim his excellencies by praying for our city, praying for the government, uh, praying for the nation. You know, there's a, we are in a unique situation where there's a lot of wisdom needed to those in authority. And we proclaim his excellencies when we do that. When we break bread, when we grow in our spiritual gifts and serve each other and serve our community, when we care for the marginalized and the poor in our communities, we proclaim his excellencies through our worship. And then we proclaim his excellencies through witness. If we have a real opportunity, friends, if, we, if you belong to Jesus, you have a real opportunity to be a non-anxious presence in your neighborhood, in your building, in your society, in wherever, whatever space that you frequent, you have the opportunity to be a non-anxious presence in an anxious world. Because think about it, God has, the Holy Spirit has actually, you know, peeled back the curtain of time and he's showed us how this is all going to end. You see, all of time is going in one direction and everything will stop at the throne room of God one day. There'll be a day when the nations will be gathered. There'll be a day when you and I will be rescued from the very presence of sin, suffering and sorrows and, and job losses and poverty and, and brokenness. None of those things will be a reality. It won't even be a distant memory. That's, that's, that's how the story is going to end. And we see that. We have a sneak peek. You know, God shows that you know, that how all of this is going to end. If that's the case, then you and I today can rely on the Holy Spirit to be non-anxious presence in the midst of anxiety. What a powerful witness would it be if we become non-anxious presence in our neighborhood. So friends, the church is one of the community, it's actually the only community in the world that does not exist for itself. It actually exists for people that are not yet a part of it. So this is an ever-increasing community. Jesus uses the witness of God's of his people to invite more people to experience his love and his mercy and be a part of his family. So as we close, this is who we are. No matter what our circumstances are, we are a people redeemed by Jesus, built on Jesus, changed by Jesus, and sent out by Jesus. Now, at least some of you at this point might be thinking that, man, all of that sounds really good. But as the reality of Monday rolls in, as I, as I struggle to roll out of bed on a Tuesday, I don't really feel like a holy nation. You know, if that is where you are, I just want to remind you that 
that maybe some of some some of us are there and we can be asked about that if that's where you are i just want to remind you that this is the invitation of god's grace to you this is the invitation we just took communion a, 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 a few minutes ago this is why when we break that bread we are reminded that there is ever flowing grace that translates into strength so that you and i can actually hold up the the parts of our heart that we don't want to face and we can tell god god i don't feel like this today would you help me to believe we can come in repentance we don't have to we don't have to act like we have it all together so this is an invitation and and here's what i mean to to pause together i think it is helpful when we struggle to believe it is helpful for us to pause and look back and look forward and here is what here is what i mean by that when we look back we see jesus the true son of god rejected that you and i be received into the family of god when we when we look back we see jesus the cornerstone the true cornerstone who bore the whole load of our sin crushed under the weight of our sins in our place on a roman cross that our lives may be built on him and then when we look back we see the holy one that the true and better priest the true and better high priest abandoned that you and i be made a, a, a holy nation a royal priesthood and then we look forward and when we look forward we see that everything all the promises that has been given as the inheritance of the saints is yours we been there'll be a day when we'll be rescued from the very presence of sin therefore we can come in honesty and ask the holy spirit for help so tonight as as we close i want to leave you with this thought the witness of god's people shines the brightest when we come needy before jesus and when we come dependent on each other here's a promise of christ in pandemics in lockdowns in quarantines in economic downturns in disruptions uncertainties jesus has promised that he will build the church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it let's pray father we thank you for your word we pray spirit of christ that brick by brick you will build our hearts that you will help us lord god to believe your word and stand in your word and face the demands of this week standing on you the you the true and better foundation we pray god that we do we we do lord god confess the false foundations that that i do confess the false foundation that i so often run to i pray that you would help me to come keep coming back to you lord jesus would you build us lord god thank you for the assurance that you've started a work and you will bring it to completion until the day of christ we love you we trust in you help my friends lord god to wrestle through with this word and i pray even 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 through this week i pray god that the demands of this week would not take away the seed of the word of god that has been planted i pray god that you would cause it to grow you will nourish it and you will make us lord god a people belonging to god help us to grow into a healthy gospel community in christ's name we pray we're so glad you've been listening in if you'd like to know more about us follow us on insta at zealous pune or visit us online at zealous.community